the beats, the flow, the rhythm. All movements start from the streets. Streets saying our podcast. do what it do with uh the resources we got hey man shit it works no it's half the stuff people like i need better mics like no you need to learn how to eq Mm. yeah i mean dude i can go and so deep in microphone talk i've learned yo fucking amount of microphones i've used in my life it's like like a lot of people don't even know like i tell people when they're like i'm starting a podcast should i buy five sm7s i'm like no nah, just get five sm58s and they're like well what's the difference i'm like there's no difference like literally they all have the same capsule mm-hmm. it's just just like the body changes and the fact that like sm7 has a few features where you can like roll off low end and change like just like the re- frequency response but ideally it's the same mm-hmm. technology even in the 57s too like it's all the same shit but 57s they put on drums and like snare drums and sometimes like people use them for vocals and the only reason why the 58 is because it has the the cap on top with the little like pop filter and people use that to sing in and stuff so it's like the the cardioid pattern is different but it's like all the same shit (laughs) just different price points you know right people automatically think oh i need the best of the best but don't know how to judge what's best or why one is priced at a certain price yeah versus another thing and yeah you start learning that when you start to do things and getting in equipment and trying to really figure out, all right, is this actually better or worse? Like headphones is always a big one, but yeah, like I was talking to a guy, um, probably at a guitar center, or I was no, I was over at Rainbow, probably talking to Vince. Yeah, he's like, you know, people getting headphones and like they want everybody want beats, and it's like, yeah, all they do is put a weight in the ears to make it seem like it's heavier, and they turn up the highs and lows. Yeah, it's not actually a crisper headphone is just it's just the eq'd up so high on the high and lows that yeah it's just loud yeah it's it's loud and those headphones are actually very deceiving like i don't i don't own a pair when i tried them out i was like these sound really good if i was on the train just trying to enjoy some music but like djing or creating music especially like producing music or if you're trying to be an engineer or something i would never recommend trying to engineer with those because it's you're gonna go listen to it in your car and then yeah like the bass is crazy and like everything is just out of whack and you're like why does it sound so bad everywhere else except my beats it's like because your beats are designed to have a scoop you know it's like everything's scooped and yeah lows and highs are crazy but yeah yeah i you know headphone tech like as we age through time and technology with like has technology gotten cheaper it's really just about materials and reliability like the headphones we all have on now are perfectly fine for what we're doing right. or even in like the stu- like if you're in a studio tracking like recording like perfectly fine you don't need a nine you don't need a 900 dollar pair of blue headphones to like get the job done those are for like people that like listen to the records at home and they want the true audiophile experience you know uh it's kind of crazy but yeah, like you trying to hit a metronome, my G. You don't need nine hundred dollars. I I am the kind of bougie person that spends a lot of money on headphones, uh, and and like like I'm looking at in ear monitors right now. I was looking at some JHSs and they're like five grand, but that's because it's you know they have twelve, fourteen drivers in them, and like all the tech stuff aside, it's like mm-hmm. they sound amazing and they mold to my ear, and I'm gonna have them for the next ten, fifteen years, maybe twenty years. Mm-hmm. Like if I stretch it out that long and, uh, you know, they're just like amazing in-ears. And like when you start performing and touring, like, or even as a DJ, it's like you're, you got to protect your hearing Mm -hmm. and those like take the life out of everything outside your ear. It's like, you can't hear nothing Mm -hmm. but the sound and the music. So then you got to turn it up as high. You got to rely on pushing like this. and Exactly. Yeah. You don't need to listen to music loud. That's why. I'll see cats out at clubs and like I'll be going B2B DJing with somebody and like they pass in their headphones and I can like hear the music blasting out of the headphones. I'm like, yo, you're going to be deaf by the time you're like 40. It's a rap, <laughs> you know, like I listen, I, my shit is always just super low. I was even doing a gig yesterday. Another DJ came up to me and I was like, 
She was like, yo, you need to turn up your booth monitor. It's so quiet. I'm like, I can hear it perfectly fine. Mm. It's fine with me. She goes, but don't you like to feel it? And I'm like, nah, that's, that's, that's nah, that's for y'all. Like, yeah. it's loud out there. It doesn't need to be loud up here. Right. My ears make me money. I got to preserve them, you know? It's like being an athlete, you know? It's like, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to run 20 miles every single day. You got to take at least a couple of days of break, but you also like pace yourself, you know, mm-hmm. you just sprint, walk, sprint, walk, sprint, walk, you know? Yes, sir. You know? Yeah, so. man. Looks like we, we rocking and rolling, huh, young God? Yeah. So, man, we up in here. Well, I always feel like forever when it just be just a little bit of time. Man. <laughs> it feel like forever. My hair done undid, my braids, my, my, my lineup is gone. Mm. I'm almost back in rough season mm. and we ain't even been gone that long. Mm. I was just cute. I'm still cute. Shut your ass up. <laughs> Since y'all didn't want to say nothing, I was like, yeah, like, yeah you was cute. It only wasn't me. I heard, I heard you without talking to you. <laughs> this nigga. <laughs> Man, it's a good day. You know, we always like to say, I don't know why I say it, but it is. Man. We here, so it's a good day. For sure. Uh, young guy in the building, man. Fresh off of the New Orleans. Ain't see Zion. Zion was hiding in the restaurants. <laughs> hard on Zion. That's my guy. Man. Man, fresh off a New Orleans trip, man. And busy weekends, man. I DJed a wedding and mm-hmm. feel like it was something. Oh, man, I had my first e- something else event. Okay. Yeah, something else, man. It was something else. Man. I love the wordplay that I created. That's just fun. I better trademark it before I guess do it because I know he's going to do it mm. just because. Mm. No, I'm playing. We got a uh, shit. Johnny, how you doing? Man, listen, bro. We ain't gonna talk about that on air. I'm cool, man. We 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 moving forward, bro. Moving forward, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But man, we got a good uh, another special guest. Um, somebody that uh, y'all may not know. My man's got hella credits out here in the music industry. Mm. Silent, a silent assassin with. We're working with top artists that kind of sneak in, pop up at the studio, call him up, and sneak on out of here. Mm. Caught one of them at the gym one time. Mm. Uh, but my man has got doing big things. Uh, we're going to talk about some of those things he's doing. Um, DJ, engineer, producer, curator, uh, lead. I don't even know what you call it. He run the music. How about that? He run the sounds. <laughs> mm. Whatever it is in that environment, that's what he's doing. Mm. He's behind whatever board is a board in that place. Yeah. Uh, we got my guy, man, Ketro in the house, man. Peace. Peace. That's good. So, yeah, man, we got to start first, man. I ain't going to give you a government. But is Ketro just pieces of your name? Yeah. Or what is, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, funny story. I was with my homie playing Xbox, and he's like, you got to make a gamer tag to play. I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> he's like, yeah, just make a gamer tag, like something cool. He's, I was like, all right. So I just put my first and last name, cut it up, put in Kethro. And, and the more I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's probably going to be the alias that I use for the rest of my life. Mm. I think that is going to be the main one. Man. Yeah, I might be the only dumbass that put my real one of my real names in my name, <laughs> but it works though. Nah, I, that that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Well, yeah, man, Kethro, man, just give a quick about what you do, uh, how you got started, and all the things you do. You know, yeah. just from the sound standpoint. Yeah, and just let the folks know what you what you've been doing, how you how you started. Yeah, uh, stories pretty wild. Uh, I grew up in a household that was very like musical you know uh no like musicians but just avid fans of music and uh my my mother was a teenager when she created me gave birth to me so I watched a a young woman grow up and uh, I think it was a blessing because she was always digging for really amazing records and just exposing me to really great music and she never left anything off the table and was always trying to educate me on that so that was the that was the start. That's when I knew it was like there's something great about this, and I want to be a part of it in some capacity. And she always knew like DJs and musicians, and always surrounded by creative types. So 
I was like, you know, always exposed to that. I, she had friends that, that would take me to the music store, basically like they're my babysitters, you know, they would just take me to the music store while they go shop for guitars or whatever. And I would just run around and mess with all the gear and try to figure out like what I liked. And yeah, so from that, I like picked up all these things and, you know, I took, uh, took music lessons when I was like 12, 13. I was like taking DJ lessons and bass guitar lessons at the same time because I wanted to do it all, you know? And I just like been obsessed with it ever since, you know? Um, but I think as I got older, I learned a lot about the industry, how it navigates and like what my place is in it, uh, in it is. And I learned that I'm like way better at making stuff sound better or good or whatever people want than actually like being a creator. Mm -hmm. And I still create every day, but uh, I noticed people were like relying, needed me more for this other thing. And so that's kind of like where the engineering aspect started. So I started like recording people's records, like everybody else in the bedroom, got the closet you set up, you know, got your microphone and I was buying up beat machines and I learned how to, program and sequence beats and so like people would come over to you know i would just help them out with that They're like yo i need you know i, I want to sample this record and make this beat i'm like okay you know just do that real quick for them they run out they got it, their album or ep or whatever but i was also playing in bands and just doing all that stuff so it just like always evolved and you know rolled out and uh yeah, I think just over time, though, you know, I was surrounded, try to surround myself with with individuals that were were way smarter than me in certain aspects, whether it was DJing or engineering or producing. And so I always found myself in these environments where I was learning very deep level uh, technical knowledge of these things. And I fell in love with the engineering side of things like that's where I felt like my my passion was and. I loved being like in the studio or I loved like when I was at concert, I would always stand by the engineer mixing the show because mm. I knew like whatever he or she is doing is like, that's the best spot you're going to hear. Like not in the front or way in the back. I'm like, nah, I'm going to be right next to the engineer. And I was always just watching, observe. And I'm like, these are the real like wizards. These are the people that are making this like whole thing mm. like magical and making people have these emotional reactions. So, yeah, just like from there, it's like through my teens and my 20s, I've always like found myself just like living in a, when I wasn't like touring, I was like living in a studio environment, just like full on, full force, just like trying to work with as many people as possible and learning from them and with them and how to create like the best records possible, the best mm -hmm. projects possible. And it's like, I'm still learning all this stuff, you know? Um, it's like a nonstop train. But then through that, you know, do a bunch of other stuff too. But it's just like part of being in the music industry. I feel like like if you work in the music industry, you can't just do one thing, you know? Like you got to be 10 things, right. you know, to like you have to like learn how to use Photoshop, even though it has nothing to do with music, but you, you got to learn it, you know? Mm -hmm. And some people are really good at it. Others are not so much like myself. Like I'm not a visual person. You ask me to make a flyer, it's going to look like crap. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much like my whole trajectory in a nutshell. Like, yeah, started very young and I'm just still like building building that up. And So when you, when you mentioned touring, when you were touring, were you touring uh, as a part of a band or yeah. what were you touring as? And then what's, what's something kind of like from touring you learned um, through that process? Yeah, so like I started touring, uh, I started touring with uh, as like a stage manager slash monitor engineer for a band for a while, and that was like for five years. And um, yeah, I learned a lot because it was like my first official tour, and it was like in a bus, and you know, it's like everybody's dream. You're in a bus, you're traveling the country and touring the world or whatever, and like it was a huge like learning curve there's a lot of like things that you got to learn about like being on the road. And one is like, don't blow all your money super fast. Like I love like fashion and stuff. So, and I don't like shopping in, a, in our state for clothes. I just got to admit. So when I'm in Chicago, I'm in Michigan Ave and 
I'm spending my per diem money on like clothes and shit and like excuse my language. Oh, you good? Uh, but like you know, uh, yeah, like there's a, like all those little things like, but um, just being on the road and touring, like I definitely say it it it, it makes you very uh, hyper aware on like how the world works, but also on like a musical standpoint, you really learn what different markets of people really love. Mm. And even though I toured with the same band over and over, I met so many people that do different things because they like that band too. And these people or some of them are like extremely famous and popular and other people are background people like me or, you know, just like all these different types of individuals. And they're always like teaching. They always taught me like very unique things about their markets and their place in the industry. And so I'd always come back with this wealth of knowledge and realize like, okay, the way I've been operating as a local needs to change. Like, and I'm going to always operate on a global mindset. Like, what is the globe one? Instead of like trying to impress the group of people at the venue down the street, how do I like get this to like somebody in, uh, you know, Cape Town to like love or in Tokyo or in, or in Berlin that's going to like change their life, you know? Um, because those people like, do they they enjoy different things than what we do here and i didn't know that as a kid i thought we have the internet everybody's into the same thing but no there's like cultural norms in all these different cities especially even in the united states mm-hmm. like kansas city is drastically different from omaha when it comes to certain things like jazz music mm-hmm. and stuff like that you know so when i'm down there like connecting with the jazz musicians like i learn how to speak and and I learned how to like make them sound better just by being around them because they like things a certain way. They like to swing shit a certain way. They like to like their drums don't have to sound like hip hop drums. Like they dial it back, you know, or whatever. But like the jazz cats in California, mm-hmm. they're a lot different. Like heavy synths, like everything's got to like, it's like they got to, your car speakers have to explode. You know, like they got to make you like do this, you know, it's like weird, you know? So like touring is like, even like the mixes would change every sh- every show because people like would perceive like watching the band like they're used to hearing things a certain way and like so like in the west coast you want it you want it to dump in the east coast you kind of want things to like sound a little bit different like it's mm-hmm. it's just weird i don't know and when you get in arenas it's different yeah. but like in venues like two two thousand people or less or five thousand people or less yeah you can make those like adjustments because mm-hmm. people just react differently yeah so uh-huh. Man, that's funny. That's yeah. cool though. That's that's definitely cool. And I mean, we hear it with different styles of music, but the intricacies of hearing that it, with the same music, yeah, how it has to hit different based on where you're at. Yeah. Um, being somewhere like somebody like we're in Omaha, and this is some people call it, and like even myself, like this is like a test ground. Mm-hmm. I used to just kind of get whatever off and see how things um move or make and um kind of take a lot of stuff with a grain of salt here when you talk about being here in omaha when you are doing gigs whether uh djing and stuff do you find yourself more so being experimental or more so trying to play to a crowd or do you find yourself especially as a dj um do you find yourself doing ketro i'm gonna be ketro yeah not trying to be not trying to play whatever is maybe popular or hot but do how do you balance that like what do you do and do you balance it or what do you how do you go about these gigs yeah it's all balance like i think when i was taking lessons as a kid in the dj realm like i always like kind of first and foremost say this like djing to me has always been a hobby you know and it does like on on the out outer perspective or when people see me playing multiple gigs they think it's a job but it's not like i can quit any day i have a job i'm fine with that you know like djing is like it's a love thing and i always was taught from early age it's like always ebb and flow with what the event or what the environment calls for right so if i'm playing an art gallery i can be experimental i can be kethro because it's mm-hmm. nobody's there to the purpose is just to fill the background or fill the space with the sound and a feel and a vibe. But if I'm at like a dance club, I have to play what the environment wants. And that requires research into understanding what does Omaha like to listen to, you know? 
And so, you know, I'm sitting there trying to sometimes going out to these places and seeing other DJs take the risks Mm -hmm. and like figure out, oh, yeah, like this song hits, this doesn't, blah, blah, blah. And I'll take those notes home and I'll work out my set like that. So Mm -hmm. it's always like changing, you know. And as a kid, like I always wanted to just be me and do me all the time. But I saw how with DJs that were older than me that were doing it for a while, they 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 stuck to their ground like they're I'm only a house DJ I only play house music and like I saw that backfire on them so many times where they would play a gig and the people are like we don't like can you play something else and they don't have that other thing or they get upset or angry mm-hmm. and I never wanted to be that guy like I was just like just I'll do whatever it calls for and if I know what the gig is ahead of time like I'll just say no like if it's not me mm-hmm. we want only one type of music and it just so happens i'm not very well versed in that genre that style and i don't know the hits like i couldn't do a bollywood party right i just don't know those jams but i'll go to the party because i like that music mm-hmm. so it's yeah yeah it's always an ebb and flow thing like i always got to be malleable to the situation mm-hmm. yeah that's and you know to all the djs out there like try to come in with that mindset even if you only enjoy doing one thing or playing one style or like a few different styles, just like try to be malleable to whatever that gig calls for. And if you find yourself stuck where it's like, oh, my environment only allows these types of gigs, well, you gotta find a different environment. Mm-hmm. Maybe a lot, I always tell DJs like, why why can't I play techno in this city? I'm like, cause the city isn't a techno city. Like it's not, it's not as respected here as it is in Detroit or in Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. So maybe you should go to those places and play those places and get into that realm. Mm-hmm. You'll be a lot more respected there, you know, so. Yeah, I often try to find a a balance and, and still insert kind of the things that I like, you know, in a gig. Like I'm gonna, like I tell people, I could go to a club and do that. Mm-hmm. It's just not as enjoyable. So I decline many, many offers. Like you wanna play? Yeah. No. I do. Yeah. But if it's a place to where I know I can play some music that I know you probably don't know, that still fits in the mold though. Mm-hmm. I try to I try to do that as much as I can. Like I I take a because I know me personally, I take an old school approach to DJing where I'm trying to either A break records or B have something nobody else got. Yeah. So that's just the old school. But yeah. in doing that, you gotta know when to mash that bad boy in there. Yep. Um, that don't kill the party mm-hmm. or know how to have an exit point in, within that first minute of that song yeah. to where yeah. you can get to the, have that next track ready just in case. Yep. But it's it's going like I've going through those bumps and bruises and, and learning like, all right, especially in places like here, it new music or, or sometimes even just new music that's not on the radio or not on the urban radio is – can crash you if you don't know how to get in and out of these gigs with some yeah. of these gigs. So that's truth. You know, even a song that may have 10 million plays, <clears throat> excuse me, a song that may have 10 million plays just doesn't hit in Nebraska or doesn't hit in the clubs here because mm-hmm. people haven't absorbed it long enough. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you went to St. Louis, it's a hit there, everybody's playing it, and it just hasn't reached all these other places yet. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting thing. And I think when I was touring, that's what I was doing a lot. I was I would go to the after parties and stuff and I would listen to what the DJs play. Mm. Like in New Orleans or something. Like in New Orleans, you go to an after party. It's like bounce music. It's mm-hmm. rap. It's like local hometown heroes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know 75% of the artists. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here with my iPhone like, what song is this? <laughs> what song is this? And just playlisting mm-hmm. the whole time. Because, and my dream was I'd love to go home and play this. But, you know, Omaha doesn't isn't well versed in bounce music, like yeah. so it's not going to resonate here. And yeah, it's it it is a as DJs, I feel like it's it's really wise for us to push the that stuff though, because there is that good feeling when you play music that hasn't hit yet, and then it does hit. Like give it like three four weeks, mm-hmm. and everybody else in town's playing it, and you're like internally you're like yo, I got somebody somebody Shazam, yeah. That was me. (laughs) So sometimes I feel like I get real lucky with guessing like what the singles are going to be. And like that was with one example is like Hotline Bling, right? Mm -hmm. When that song came out, it was like kind of a slow rise here in Nebraska because I was DJing a lot, like four Mm -hmm. nights a week. Mm -hmm. 
And I just knew Hotline Bling was going to, I just knew it was going to be a bop. Like the minute you heard a, you know, uh, why can't with Timmy Thomas sample? I was like, yeah, this song is already incredible. Sade did her version of it. This is Drake's time. He's doing it because he loves Sade. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's all in connection. It's going to hit. It's going to rock. And I remember just playing it and playing it and playing it. People like didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And then like a month went by. And it's playing on all the radio, like all the radios and all the, you know, like Vine at the time and things, Vine was or Instagram, whatever, like it was in everybody's videos. So now I remember just watching the transformation of like week after week playing that song and more people are like, you know, just really feeling it. I'm like, yeah, I finally got you. I knew that was going to be the one, you know, I knew it. I knew it like internally. And you can't tell nobody because nobody cares. You know, right. you can't get in the mic like, I'm doing it first, you know. But internally in my brain, I'm like screaming that like, yeah, I knew it. Like, No, nah, I done told some people that shit. Yeah. But even when I, I love Hotline Bling just because when Erica Badu made her tape. Yeah. And it was the same thing. So yeah. I would always play them at the same time or throw her piece in back and going back and forth. And people didn't know that yeah. Badu had a version out. Yeah. So it was like, people yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then, I, but uh, it was funny because I remember being back in college. I I just literally commented on somebody's, um, on somebody's Facebook post because they put up uh, an old video that was like a promo for a step show. Yeah. And then the, the ending song of the promo for the step show was uh, "Not a Stain on Me" by Big Tuck. Mm. And people know in Ohio, I'm the reason. Put this on wax. <laughs> I'm the reason that shit got up there. Own it. I'm from Texas. Yeah. So we had all the mixtapes, and when I came would go home and I would come back. I always had tapes. So I would always, me and my homies would always pull up and I would literally make sure we always pulled up to the parties with that. Yeah. And I remember a couple of DJs like, yo, what is that shit? That, what is that? Like that shit hard. Mm-hmm. And I gave it to him. I was like, it was not a stain on me, Big Tuck. It took about a year. Then I started hearing it on the radio. I'm like, did I do that? Hold yeah. on. Somebody, but I got it. I'm like, look, I got it directly to a couple DJs. Yeah. And they probably, and they played at the party. And that song still rock to this day. That's yeah. one of the best club songs maybe ever made. If we really keep it in the bean. Not a Stain on Me by Big Tuck is a club yep. banger. Johnny, you look at me like, yeah. like you know, that's that's a club rocker. For, yeah. And it's kind of like, especially yeah. South, Midwest, um, it's 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 a club rocker. But uh, I, I'm like, I think I did that. I can't, you I don't have did. real proof. But I think I, I did that because that was back when radio was still local. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. And like you were talking about, like regional, like I'm from East Texas. Like I was right between Dallas and right between Louisiana. Mm. So we had at our parties, like it was literally all Dallas dance music and Louisiana bounce music. The whole yeah. party. Like you can go out down there and you would not hear nothing that's on mainstream radio and the party would rock for four or five hours. And Wild. Like people would go visiting, like, yo, I didn't know nothing that was playing, but the club was going crazy the whole night. But that, you know, that's the regional stuff. It's like still like today, going to the bay. Mm-hmm. You go to the bay, everybody know E40, but you don't know the bay. Yeah. So you're gonna go to the bay, it's gonna be a whole, you're gonna get jumped in on the music. Like, yeah, you know, this is a real thing. Like, yeah, like don't go to the pay, the the bay and, and play like the pack, you know, you're scratching the surface, you know. You play Mac Dre, they're like, okay, cool, you got some swag. But then, like, you got to start playing cat. Like, yeah, it's really like a family tree you got to follow when you go to different cities. And, you know, it's it's always really tricky. Every time I've played a different, like, DJed in a different city, I spend extreme amounts of time researching the culture, the history. And that's why, like, I feel like I've learned so much about this world. It's like, that's what I love doing. And it's like, because there's, there's DJs that, produce all their own music and they tour the world and they're loved for that but as cats like you and myself like we're playing a lot of other people's music mm-hmm. so we got to play what the environment calls for and it, it sometimes is a very tricky slope and you'd be surprised too like i remember um i was with this group uh tuxedo we did a uh, tour in japan 2018 mm-hmm. and like the first night we got there they did this club called visions and like they weren't playing like I expected them to play like hot Japanese tracks, like ha- tracks hot. To- nah, they played all like West Coast boogie funk, like what they knew. Mm. And it was like the crowd was very receptive and they were just into it because it was so that's what they wanted. They didn't want to hear what they hear every day. They just wanted that like mm. hard, you know, 
you know, just like, and you can see him like it's a different thing, you know, like they're trying to learn the swing and stuff. And I was really into that. I was like, yo, this is amazing. These people are incredible. Um, so yeah, it, it does surprise you sometimes when you can expose different crowds and stuff and they are receptive, but it may only happen in like places where it's like completely foreign or opposite mm-hmm. to where we're coming from you know they know we're from the states they know that we're bringing this sound to them so that's mm-hmm. what they're paying to experience mm-hmm. whereas like in the united states you're like ah oh, yeah i'm coming from nebraska like okay what do you know about louisiana <laughs> you know like it's like a test you know mm-hmm. it's kind of it's really weird yeah environment, i yeah. think the only workaround is when you have let it be known that you're not gonna do the status quo. Yeah. And that way people know, like again, they just know what they're getting into. Yeah. Or they know they don't know what they're getting into. So they're mm-hmm. more, the, the people there are already receptive, whatever you're going to bring. Yeah. Um, but that's what I said. Like, that's why I tell people, be wary. Like, you all want to DJ a club? Mm-hmm. Okay. That is a certain type of environment. Yeah. You can't just go do anything at a club. Mm-hmm. You might can at some of the concert um, festival stages. Yeah. You might. You That's a big might. That's if. They know you for doing that, and if you prepped them for that, yeah. So it's it 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 does it it varies, you know. Time. I gotta it's thank you, man, because sometimes like you'd be playing tracks that I worked on. Like, oh yeah, like yeah. the Jadena record. Like you played that out so much, and like you were one of the few DJs that like picked up on it without me like giving you the record or asking. Like usually, like I always like try to slide DJs advanced copies and like yo play this in the club. But like you, I remember I showed up to gigs and you'd be playing like deep cuts off the record mm. just as a fan so thank you for that man because and i played jay prince as well yeah jay prince yeah and like it's just it's just a good feeling because like i know you're listening as a as a fan and like when i've been there it's it's just nice to hear mm. that the you know something i've worked really hard on it's like be played out and and just i can sit back and watch people mm-hmm. and watch them react to it and just it's just a nice feeling like it's like yo okay cool people are like into this they're yeah. dancing like yo taking videos and sending it to the artists and stuff like yo this is what's happening in omaha you know like mm-hmm. i didn't even tell this cat to play the song like this is happening you gotta come back <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah so yeah, thank you for right. that man no problem, i appreciate bro, that man, man. you're a fan i try to do what i can i tell yeah. people i get if I like it, I get into that. I'm gonna make sure I throw it in. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't work for a station, so I don't gotta play shit. Mm-hmm. Which means I get to play whatever I want. Yeah. For the most part. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. You got any? Man, I'm just sitting back observing, listening. Yeah. It's one of those. It's one of those episodes, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, just a, a quick pivot. I know you do a lot of things, and uh, even before we even started recording, you were talking about some of your other roles, and yeah, one of them being like. Um, working with Omaha Fashion Week. Yeah. So, and what is what is your role with that and kind of what does that in, entail uh, for the people? Yeah, I um, I was randomly asked to participate because they were looking for a music director. And, you know, somebody is like, I've always really loved and enjoyed fashion. It's a big thing for me. You know, like, I've, I always felt like out of the, outside of music, my other art form of expression is, through fabric you know and uh, i think it had a lot to do with like being a part of some groups and friends and people that just like always inspired me to dress the way i want or whatever but yeah when i got tapped to be music director i didn't really know what the job like entailed Mm. i like but i didn't even ask i didn't you know they're like we're looking for an md can you come in and usually md to me is like you putting together 12 piece band writing chords structure but I was like, I for Fashion Week, I don't, I gotta, what do I do? So I just said yes. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Hopped in um, and just pretty much like made up my job, which literally consists of like programming music from the minute the doors open till they close. And um, it's a lot of work because I work with like 20 to 30 designers a year. And I usually sit down with them or communicate with them in some way about what their vision is and what their clothes are and we and sometimes they don't know what exactly sounds to convey with their clothes Mm -hmm. so it's like up to me to find that or they have like a true vision and i'm helping them shape that so i sit down i make a lot of tons of mini mixes is what i call them Mm -hmm. and just like yeah just roll these out with the designers and program all the the whole vibe so if you've been to fashion week in omaha for the past like six years that's definitely like 100 percent me 
um, just, just, yeah, programming. And it's nice because that's the moment where I get to be experimental and mm-hmm. get to be me because I can sneak in a lot of stuff that I work on, like produce mm-hmm. and the stuff I make. And that way I can hear it on a runway and hear how it works. And I've made music strictly for the runway. Mm. And, uh, or like some of the stuff I was working like hard in the studio on, just going super hard in the studio. And I got the demo. So I'm just, I'm going to put them in, you know, program and not tell anybody, you know, and, you know, curse word might slip through, whatever, you know. So yeah, it's, it's a cool gig. Like I like it a lot. I would definitely love to explore other fashion weeks. I think the dream is, Milan, Paris, Tokyo, mm-hmm. um, and those jobs are far reach, but I, I've been building my time with them for so long, and I've learned a lot and met a lot of great people, so I think that's eventually I would like to participate and do that. Like, I want Benji B's job. You know what Benji B is? Mm-mm. He's a cat in London. He has a BBC radio show mm-hmm. in London. Amazing DJ, like incredible guy. And yeah, he just like is the music director for Louis Vuitton. And like every time it's like they give him these crazy budgets and he just like creates magic. And when he was working with Virgil mm-hmm. a lot, you know, he was putting together like he'd get a band like Bad, Bad, Not Good mm-hmm. and then just like have them score the whole fashion show. Mm. That's the dream. Yeah. Just like get your favorite artists in and just like cut records. Or right. He would get like, yo, I want Sampha. And I want Lil Sims and I want mm-hmm. Arca all coming in and making these like crazy sounds. Or I want Tom York to do like an acoustic cover of this. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, how much does that cost? 150000 All right, cool. Here you go. It's just like, yeah, that's the kind of that's the kind of life I want. Just like big budgets to get like dope artists to do I stuff. So was he over getting, uh, wasn't that Kendrick? Was that Louis? That yeah, did? Kendrick did the that, most recent Louis yeah. show, which is amazing. Like, that that for me, I watched it like four times. Mm. I just love even some of the tracks are revised for that show. Mm-hmm. Um, like in '95, like the whole first half didn't have drums in it. Like it didn't even hit like till later. It's just like bass and gut and just him, just like you know, just yeah, just like kicking it, you know, next to Day Free and Naomi Campbell. Like mm-hmm. how iconic is that? <laughs> you know. It's crazy. That stuff's inspiring me. Inspiring to me. It's a cool gig, you know. I, I like it a lot. Um, I didn't think I'd be doing it for so long, mm. but it's just it's just really fun, and they're giving me more creative freedom every year. So it's unique. Gotcha. Yeah. With um, man, that's dope. I ain't gonna lie, cause I'm, some of those things line up with where I want to go as far as some of the ventures mm-hmm. as well. Like just it's different things, whether it's with concerts or getting just in a, a set to do something specific yeah um but even just working like being a director for something and making it come to life sonically yeah or scoring a movie you know so yeah like, i would love to score a movie with uh no real budget <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? like give me a limitless budget yeah that would be amazing shit out of this movie yeah that's and, uh, <laughs> if in a world where if everything was cleared the soundtracks would probably be amazing yo for real majority <laughs> of you know, you hear like music supervisor roles and even the music supervisors I've met, you know, half of the battle is getting songs cleared. Mm. And it's wild how many artists say no, mm. even to a, a nice budget. You know, you have that's why you hear like these songs repeated so much through movies like a, with the same Rolling Stone song mm. is because they literally set it up to say like a lawyer say yes to everything. Who cares? But then another band like Sigur like you want they make cinematic stuff but like they say no a lot like to every commercial like literally they they started a website of every company that's ripped them off their whole sound mm. because they say these companies hit us up we said no and they remade and they literally just hired somebody else to remake their songs <laughs> like reimagine their songs and they had a whole website of stuff so it's crazy like it's it being a music supervisor is literally like half of it's just legal battle but mm. You know, it's a, what a fun job. You just sit there and like try to find the right music for the right moments, like film. And yeah, working in film has definitely been the dream. Yeah, that's that's like to me that that's pretty much what we spend in the next decade, like trying to, to work on and, and, and really move into. I really do think like visual and sonic arts coming together. It's it's really like an interesting world to be in and, and scoring and 
I've, I've been taking a lot of like classes on scoring and stuff. Mm. It's just a whole different atmosphere. But I love cinematic scores way more than like a lot of music coming out today mm-hmm. or just stuff that just ends up in shows. It just feels better to me. Maybe it's like a getting older thing. I don't know what it is, but I spend more time listening to OSTs than like actual records. Mm. Like it's kind of wild. <laughs> and maybe that's just because like I'm studying it. But yeah, yeah, it's there's something to be said about it. They're very underrated. Like video game soundtracks too. Yeah. Like yo, man, listen. Crazy. Hey, Madden NFL, please holler at your boy. Yeah. Man. Y'all need some help. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah for real. Two, I mean, two K. They, they, you know, they doing their thing. But yeah. Madden boy, y'all. Hey, hit your boy up, man. I appreciate it. I'm one of the 12 people that still buy the game and play franchise. <laughs> even though y'all don't update it like y'all need to. Yeah. Hey, man. Because my little cousin on the game. So we rocking. Yeah. Yeah, man. I would love to get in that room and just. Yeah. Let me let me pitch it. Let me. Here's a list of songs. Mm-hmm. Now go get them cleared. Yeah. But let's. Oh, man. You know, the, like the best. Like Take Two Interactive did it the best with mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. Like the way they. They. They found people like Flying Lotus. Mm-hmm. And they said, yo, you're the music supervisor for this radio show that we're curating in the video game. And go and make your favorites, like pick your favorite songs. And he like put everybody in there. Aphex Twin, Frank Ocean, mm-hmm. Earl Sweatshirt, you know, uh, uh, like broadcast. Like all these like weird, obscure people that would never really be in video games mm-hmm. otherwise. The fact that Aphex Twin even said yes is mind blowing to me. That guy says no to everything, you know. Or at least to my knowledge. And that's probably the relationship yeah. with Fly Logs. So, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the respect. Yeah. Or Alice Coltrane. Like, you put an Alice Coltrane song in there. Like, that's family, you know? But, like, driving around, like, shooting guns out of a car listening to Alice Coltrane is, like, a hell of a soundtrack, you know? It's pretty wild. Like, harps and flutes and, you know, <laughs> string sections and stuff. At, at, when you run over grandma. Yeah, yeah, run over grandma. Listen to <laughs> yeah, crazy. That's funny. But, uh, what are I guess uh, with you being in uh, Omaha? Uh, what uh, what who are some of the people that you've had the pleasure of working with that have come in and you've worked directly on their projects? Yeah, for people who don't know, like not just a guy, just mm-hmm. you know, oh, I like DJ and like who like you really work in the industry. Like, what are some of yeah. some of the people um, you've worked with so far? Uh, I've worked with a lot of people, you know, and I really got to think like make believe studios you know rick carson is i like to say he was my mentor Mm -hmm. he was like my sensei you know for a very long time and he still is to a lot of a lot of aspects especially in music and i think like my time growing with make believe rick has always been the person to like open up those doors because he's literally the smartest engineer i know he's like the engineer's engineer Mm -hmm. if you go online and you like name drop him other engineers are like, yeah, man, that guy's a genius, you know? Mm-hmm. And I literally spent like 10 hours a day with him every day for 10 years or something like that, like a mm-hmm. long time. And so with that, yeah, like all these crazy people would come in through the door because like Rick is the dude, like he mix and masters everything and then I would record everything for him to mix and master. So I, yeah, spending my life in, in make-believe and spending so much time in that studio, it was like really a blessing, you know? And, and getting people through the door, like Jay Prince, like you mentioned earlier, like, he came all the way from London to come work in Omaha. Like he was working in LA, but then he heard about us in Omaha. He loved Rick's mixes. He was Rick was mixing a lot of his stuff. He mixed his stuff that was on 2K and mm. all that stuff. Like so when he came to Omaha to work, you know, that was like my experience of spending X amount of days with him just making his vision come alive. And we'd be in there, yeah, ten AM to three, four in the morning or whatever, you know, just just grinding and he'd be in there. You know, sometimes we'd just be sipping coffee, tea or whatever and talking about life. And then other days we're just cutting like 10 tracks in a day. Mm-hmm. Another cat, Dominique Sanders, like he's literally like one of my top favorite producers of all time. Mm-hmm. He's like me. He's like a hidden gem of life. But that dude's literally played with like everybody, like everybody. Like I don't even want to like go out and say the names of the people because I don't want to like you know but when i like when i say like west coast la like the top 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 people call him to play bass on his records mm. i've seen videos of like people being like yo whose drums are that they're like yo that's bass man that's bass man that's dom and like yo this dude's hard and like yeah dom is crazy like mm. this i watched just watching this guy work 
he inspired me so much. He has a sound. Mm. And that's like something a lot of producers like strive for the whole life. Like me and like, yes. I want my, I want the Kethro sound. Mm -hmm. It's like Dom has a sound and he like taught me his sound. So I've been like, branch, I've been creating like a branch off that mm. with my, my stuff. Mm -hmm. Cause it's so soulful and he's from Kansas city. So it just like got that, like Kansas city like swings. That's what I like to say. Like they just got that lean. Um, Jadena was another one. I got to work on 85 to Africa. That was a great record. Mm -hmm. It was cool to work with like the whole Wonderland, not the entire camp, but like Roman G. Arthur was in those sessions. And just like people I've always wanted to be around and hang around. And like, they were just like, they, the, that. that is the true definition of a well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. like those cats literally like just know how to like put their heads down and get to work. They like being in a Omaha they didn't want to go and explore and try the food and that stuff. They were just like there to work. And they were from, from daylight to sunset, just, just programming, you know, showing beats and ideas. And I'd be running around like just checking in and making sure like everybody's good. And then when Jadena likes something, we put it in the, you know, and then I'm just like recording, you know, it's like editing and, you know, just like trying to move super fast. So it's like, yeah, the, the, a lot of these are Terrace Martin has been to make believe a bunch. Um, you know, and he's done a ton of work in there and learning from him. That guy's like him and his father, Curly, are like gems of Omaha. And they've taught me and a lot of people in town a lot about this industry. Uh, yeah, just like, you know, and then like touring with people, man. Tour, I got to tour Jake one. That was a dream. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that guy, like I grew up listening to his records. Yeah. And I'm like chill. I'm like working for this guy now, like doing his monitors. And like he's like one of the most like relaxed, great people in the world. And it's, he, he's, he's always down to answer questions. And I didn't really get to work with him like in a studio environment, mm -hmm. but just like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, he produced like Rick Ross records and stuff. Like I love like all the records he makes are so good. You know, like mm -hmm. people know him for like Macklemore and like the, the big, big hits, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but uh, I love him for like the super underground stuff, MF doom and, mm -hmm. you know, like just, just, all like uh, the album he did with freeway mm. like that freeway record is just like the programming on that is just so crazy i even i'm just yeah so like yeah a lot of these people man and the, and there's so many more people mm -hmm. you know there's so many like over time it just kind of became all blur and i would always just try to take like little things here and there but i've worked with like opera singers mm. jazz musicians and classical people and country stars and you know, just like being in a studio is like that. It's that life. Like we never pigeonhole ourselves into like one genre or style. It was always like every day with somebody different. Mm -hmm. You know, like Sput would come in and he'd bring in artists for a while. He was a drummer and he played on, uh, he played on To Pimp a Butterfly. He also like has his band Ghost Note. And it's just, the guy is just a wizard on drums. It's just crazy how good he is on drums. But like that, he'd be bringing in cats from like Germany and stuff. Like I would never hear. And then you could look them up and they're like on billboards and like crazy in germany and like i'm like yeah let's go get a steak you know i don't eat steak but like i'll take you to go get one <laughs> you know like let's go and like they remember me for that stuff it's kind of funny but um yeah man it's like yeah it's um what i've learned about like working with all these people though is like in being in a studio environment really helped like lift the veil on the the fame part of things and so now when I like work under people that are like well-known and or famous or whatever, or like just a respected for their work, like they are just people, man. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like if I'm out to dinner with said famous person, I'm never like freaking out anymore. You know, there's very few people that like give me that feeling, but I do highly respect their work. So it's nice to just talk about them about random stuff, but like they're always sharing gems and they, and they know like what it is and. You know, like a couple of weeks ago, I was out with a big artist, you know, and it was like a reminder of like, I, I kind of forgot like how famous this person was because everybody just kept coming up to him and taking pictures and stealing him away and like, hey, you know, I can't wait to see your car. Like, it was just really crazy. And every time I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot like this dude is like mega famous. He was like just on this movie soundtrack and he's just like all over the place and he's on everybody. He's like one of the most respected musicians. And, mm -hmm. and so that, that was a great learning curve as I was like, okay, cool. Now I don't, that's a good thing for me. And I think it's a good thing for everybody. Like, I mm -hmm. think if you're going to work in this industry, you can't like, don't, don't, don't get 
like caught up in the magic of it all because mm-hmm. that like will really kind of create this like really weird illusion and like that whole like meeting your idols thing doesn't really work out all the time <laughs> sometimes those like luckily i haven't worked with anybody bad or that i dislike but i've seen some things where it's mm-hmm. like damn like that person got shut down or like that, that relationship does not work or whatever. Cause the magic can't get lifted. Mm. You know, it makes people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. So man. Yeah. More. And I know there's a lot more to come. Continue yeah. Working. You already out there. So yeah, man, I uh, try to stay busy. Uh, what's some, what are some things that are coming up, you know, for you right now? Like what's some things you're working on or some things coming up? that you can talk about anything like projects or gigs or I guess Omaha fashion week. Yeah. If I mean on the local level here in Omaha, I've been, I've been really focusing on Omaha lately, you know, like, you know, I think after 2020, you know, I, I was actually like really debating on changing my market and going somewhere else. Mm. Like, I think that was on a lot of people's minds and I was teasing the idea. I was making a lot of phone calls. I probably spent half of 2020 on the phone just talking to everybody, checking in, mm-hmm. feeling it out. How are things in New Orleans? How are things in Atlanta? How are things in New York? Just like really trying to feel the temperature of these places and understand like where where can my place be? And more and more, I just kept coming back to Omaha and been like, I should just like concentrate on this city. I've done so much. And a lot of people that I've noticed are starting to move here. Like a lot of my friends I've grown over time. Like my, my homie literally lived in long beach for the past like 25 30 years just bought a house in in omaha because he kept coming here and was like yo i love this place like yeah man just move here it's cheap your house out there is two million dollars like you can get a house for like two hundred fifty thousand dollars out here like save your money and like come like make your dreams happen then if you ever want to go back to la just hop on a plane blah blah and the more i kept saying that to people i'm like dang i need to just stay in omaha Mm. because it's like it's not you know growing stuff here is what it is so with the projects coming up, like, yeah, I'm very heavily focused on things here. And like, yeah, I guess with fashion week and, uh, I've been, um, doing a lot of projects with, with the Bemis, um, center here and working with all their music program and, and helping them manage their, their venue and their, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's called low end mm-hmm. and they, and they're really focusing on like trying to change, um, or to, like bring a new Avenue for like experimental art and music and sound art which is like a realm that I've always known heavily about, but never actually worked in. So now that I'm like, I'm just like helping them build this place and get it to like become this thing. And it's just have it be this well-oiled machine. And I think it's really great. So I've been putting a lot of my focus in that. And then, yeah, man, just making stuff, creating music with people, a lot of projects that I probably shouldn't talk about. So yeah, yeah. Uh, But I will say this, like a lot of things, musically sonically are coming and uh you know uh, a lot of people i worked on a lot of music like i worked on i think i calculated 2020 2021 i worked on like 76 different records like whole records mm. so when those come out is up to the artist but it's a lot of music <laughs> it's a lot of music like i recorded so i like lost track mm. like i had to like figure out like oh yeah i forgot i did that yeah okay yeah those are coming out those six songs are still in the bag so you know i just feel like the next few years we're gonna start seeing finished products and stuff come out from a lot of artists and Mm. uh it's gonna be an exciting moment for music we're already seeing the explosion right yeah like everybody was creating so much and not every not every 2020 album pandemic album or whatever was good but um i think people got their energy and it's been just killer, you know. Mm-hmm. Some records are just really, really good. Where others are like, dang, you had a lot of times at home and didn't really make a lot of good music. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's good seeing like we're literally every week is something. It's a couple records, yeah, couple artists dropping, yeah, mainly moving out of the way for some of the artists. Yeah, you know, Beyonce coming, she like, get out the way. That record's gonna be crazy. Yeah, like a lot of popular records. Like, yeah, you know. I got to admit, too, like, we can get on just short. That new Drake record was really good, and uh, a lot of people hate on that record, but I get it. 
I had a guy come up to me the other day. So he's like, so is that house music? And, <laughs> and I had to like realize like people don't know yeah. the history of like house music or mm. or even they don't even know like what's happening in Africa mm-hmm. with this music. Like that, mm-hmm. all, like literally all that is like. It's all house. That's, the, that's all house. Especially when you go to South Africa. Yeah, up. They're taking over. Yeah. Like that is the wave I'm trying to jump on. You know, mm-hmm. I was working with this artist, another cat. He actually lives here. He's from Houston, actually. Mm. Uh, jazz groupies. And like, that's all he does. Like all of his records feature artists and people from South Af- all over South Africa. Mm. And he does all of his marketing in South Africa. Mm. So in South Africa, he like, we this record came out and it like charted and it was like number three or four in the jazz charts for like a month. And it did really well. And then I was like really digging into the scene there. I'm like, yo, they're taking over like house music it makes sense why drake's like all over it you know because he's he went to london did the grime thing he went all of it so now he's like with black coffee and the whole crew mm-hmm. down there it's like okay now like i get it i i understand like why he's bringing this to the top because he's trying to find what the next revolution is going to be and i really do think i really believe that what south africans are doing with house music right now it's going to become a insanely huge thing in the world mm-hmm. i'd give it like a year or two and you're gonna hear the biggest cities in the world mm-hmm. playing that you know tiwa savage and mm-hmm. you know beyonce did it with the lion king record right yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. but it was like beyonce's version of that yeah like drake parked it back a little bit and let all the producers like do their thing and then he was like text go green you know mm-hmm. he's doing his drake thing you know getting all drake yeah drake. And i love it drake lyrics over some some house i like it, hey, it i was, think it's dope I, I personally like the album i tell people this is the only first or second album i bought of drake's yeah second one yeah and the first one was views yeah this is another views very is musical album so yeah uh, his yeah. interludes on views are the best yeah <laughs> but yeah even like uh that record he did before this house record what is that called uh, uh, certified lover boy. Yeah, Yeba's interlude. <sighs> that song's crazy, man. Yeah, man. Even like uh, in Kendrick's record too, man. I was like, what if Kendrick started doing house records? <laughs> That's where my brain's at sometimes. He he ain't doing that though. Uh-huh. You never know. Yeah, never know. He might push go. Yeah, he free might push go on that one. Yeah, especially after he done spent some time in Ghana. Hey, yeah. He probably heard those rhythms and was like, all right, here we go. Yep, here we go. Yeah, we need to start like, I want to see these pop artists really start going to Africa, man. They really need to start pushing that stuff. Like, I don't know what it is, but I just, you know, it just like blows my mind. Like somebody like Taylor Swift does a whole music video in Africa and it's got no black people in it, (laughs) you know? And it's just like, there's like nothing like native about it. It's just like love story. But I was like, yo, if she like created music with those rhythms, it would be hard. But even like the whole world would love her at that point. Mm. She's good. She's a billionaire. It's fine. But I think we're getting to it. I think I think our our folks yeah. are getting to it, and it's that door is opening. And yeah, thanks to even whether you say Drake or even thanks to people like Burner Boy and yeah. his kid who yeah already collabing with folks so it's gonna open yep. up avenue to come on that stage over there and Facts. do these things so yeah mr yeah. easy and all those yeah. cats so yeah. it, it's coming it's coming it is man i i got my fingers crossed because that's that's just like a wave that can't be slipped on yeah even like as a dj I play that stuff out like i'll be at this i play at this hotel here in town and they got a nice pool and shit and it's like super exquisite and high class and i'll be playing those rhythms just like and i see people like mm-hmm. instantly like yeah like it's like taking over their soul mm-hmm. and it's like they never heard it before and i go yeah this is i'm gonna get you oh yeah i'm gonna get I, this I, this is the next hit this is the next hotline bling <laughs> check out make sure you check out uh you know mfr souls no no i don't they're from south africa i okay. found them because boss was playing them on uh, one of his post or something i was like who is that yeah and then i went and found them i'm like and all the rhythms same temp 115 yeah ish and they you play that they going crazy so Mm -hmm. it's it's i think it's you know it's it's here yeah it's just not everywhere right so it's up to us to make it go yeah i wish music i just think overall the pop tempo too needs just needs to speed up a little bit more 
Like it just needs to get a little bit faster. It's yeah. been real slow. Yeah, it's been seventy, but yeah, that's the trap. But it's 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 yeah. artists once now that the big dogs are doing it. Yeah, it's going to speed up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even getting back to your, you know, nine ninety to a hundreds, which is like the like the uh, soul soul swing music, yep. groove music. Like those things are coming. You see the house movement coming. So yeah, we're it's speeding up, and there's a lot of people making a lot of more club music now. Yeah, and, you know, Jersey club music's popping back up. Yeah, all these, all these things, and people like Catronada. Yeah, gotten famous. So they. Right. So I think it's it's coming, man. It's, it's coming. Fingers we, crossed. We man. need we need higher tempos and higher vibrations in our clubs. Yeah, in our venues, especially where the world is. So yeah, I think people feel that, and they the artists feel that, and they're like, all right, let's yeah, let's raise up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like I'm because I you know lately I've been like diving in deep and like in uh, European music, the rise of like electronic music in Europe. And like what they did when they heard techno coming from Detroit and all these places. Mm. And like even like the jungle drum and bass movement mm. in London. Like I was remember watching videos and like 160, 170 BPM, just insanely fast rhythms and tempos. But these people are just like locked in. Mm. And I don't know what it what what was the energy then. But then in the in the States you had, you know, Woodstock ninety nine, which is like pure chaos in its own way, mm. you know? And that was like rock metal still kind of fast but real heavy mm. different but like there's just like i don't know what, what it was it about the 90s everything was it cocaine maybe <laughs> i don't know yeah probably like drug induced music but like yeah i always think drug the popularity of drugs also have an effect on the tempo like uh, that's a whole thing i put in my course about yes yeah. i can tell you what drugs are prevalent based on the music yeah and that's Especially in hip hop, yeah, urban used to when the sounds were localized, yeah. So I I did whole sessions on that. They were like, really? I never thought of, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, like just, 2012 when everybody was like doing uh, MDMA or something, and they were like, they're literally like just MDMA and water. That was like every song was just like Molly and water, Molly and water, Molly and water. I but go, this, I go before that because again, I'm from between Louisiana and Dallas. All yeah. bounce music is based off. Uh, MDMA, all yeah. Molly. So that's yeah. they talked about jaws locked, pants full of that steel. Yeah, everybody walking around in black clubs with pacifiers. Yeah, like you like this is so. Yeah, like this is the tempo mm-hmm. and it's going. So yep. and the juxt- juxtapose that going down to Houston. Yeah, you got everybody slowed down. Lean, because lean. So lean, and it's yeah. so uh, you know it. I think we, yeah, it's there. Yeah, it's definitely there, and uh, just overall, I think the tempo, where people want to go, I think we're gonna raise it up because we've been in the in the rut a little yeah. bit. We just need like people. we need like peace, like peaceful music. It's it's trying times right now. It's very difficult, but yeah, like it needs to be a release again, not a burden. Yeah. The music needs to be a release, right? Not stories of a burden, right? Exactly. Clubs, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know. Right. So we, I think we're pushing back towards that. For sure, man. Yeah. For sure. Well, man. fingers crossed, man. Yes, sir. Where can they, uh, before we get out, where can they find you at, Kethro? Yeah, you can find me. I'm all over social media. I do everything but TikTok. I'm not on TikTok for privacy reasons. But uh, yeah, at Kethro, K-E-T-H-R-O. Um, I pretty much locked in that at everywhere except for the, the .com. Someone's trying to sell it to me for $4,000, and I'm not trying to do that. No way. Uh, but other than that, yeah, just that on social media. Um, I try to keep people up to date on what I'm doing in the music world and uh, upcoming shows and gigs. And I'm definitely planning on, uh, I've been writing a lot uh, with hopes of performing a lot next year. So I'm like really just grinding that out. So definitely stay on top of that. I'm, I've been working on a lot of music. I don't know if that's going to be a form of an album or a project, but I know that it's going to be released to the world in some degree or capacity. And I'm lining up my chessboard and I'm making my moves. So, you know, it releases the right way and that, uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, hits the listener and I'll make sure that you get advanced copies of that. So you can continue bumping that out in the clubs, man. Send it to him. Yeah. I appreciate you for that, man. Thank you, man. You really like, uh, yeah, really, really respect that, man. Thank you so much for being a supporter of, what i do and what 
a lot of cats in Omaha do and like DJs and DJs in Omaha like I wish they a lot more would play more local music and try to put it out on here because that's how it expands and uh you're just one of the you're one of the few that really like champions that so thank you man yes sir appreciate no that. problem appreciate it yep uh, we're trying to get out of here our little friend wants to show up yeah we've got a moth flying around here that's dope though <laughs> but yeah man we're gonna get out of here for the evening yeah. man we appreciate you for stopping in and thank you letting us know everything man yeah it's great man we wish you the best thank you in the future and you know, we always cross paths, so we gonna yeah. work on something. Yeah, absolutely. One of us gonna need something. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. We good, we good. So, <laughs> man, well, yeah, it's your host Giddy Jicky with it. Yeah, sure. Show the host Johnny, no good. Yep. See y'all later, man. Peace. 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 The beats, the beats, the flow, the flow, the rhythm, the rhythm. The rhythm. All movements start from the streets.